Okay, so we're going to talk about renewing the mind tonight. And renewing the mind is one of the most fascinating um, topics in the Bible. It's not said so many times, but it is one of the most important commandments as Christians that we're called to do. The most interesting thing about renewing the mind is that prayer cannot overcome, cannot do what renewing the mind can only do. Laying hands and casting out anything that needs to come out isn't going to be the thing that will allow you to renew your mind. Renewing your mind is effort. You don't stop with the effort. You can go in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the days of May. Guess what? You have to go again in June and July and August in 2024, 2025, until we leave this lovely place. It's never ending. So we've talked about, we've spoken about why it's so important. Yes, renewing the mind is so important. However, let me tell you the reason why. What is the reason, what is the state of our minds at the moment concerning why we need to renew our minds? Let me hit you with some stats. I love stats. There is a, um, a popular belief that between 20,000 to 50,000 thoughts go through your mind every day. So let's say 20,000, the lower end, right, is the amount of times thoughts go through your head. The National Science Foundation says that 80% of your thoughts are negative. Let's do the stats here. So if that's 20,000 thoughts in your mind a day, 80% are negative. That means 16,000 thoughts of yours today have been negative. Of that 16,000, the same National Science Foundation says that 95% of our thoughts, of our negative thoughts, are repetitive. This is what's really interesting about that stat. That means 95% of your negative thoughts aren't just on Sunday, they come again on Monday. They come again on Tuesday. They come again on Wednesday. And maybe it might be connected to the people you work with. I don't know. But one thing that is interesting is that it is something that is repetitive. (laughs) My staff, my my, my colleagues are wonderful, right? (laughs) Now, Now, what's really interesting is this, right? There's something called a neurological pathway. I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to stay in science for too long, guys. And what a neurological pathway is this? It's kind of like a pathway that is built in your brain concerning your thoughts. So say for instance, say for instance, everyone knows that they're leaving here and hopefully they're going to go home. You know right now what path you're going to take to get to your house because you've left here before. You usually take that path. You don't have to think about it. It's just set. Now, it's set because you've done it so many times. There's a pathway, literally, you're on your way home. And that is very um, similar to what I'm trying to say concerning your thought patterns. If you, think about this, think about this. Imagine you have 16,000 thoughts that are negative, that are constantly going down a particular path. As a result, that path will be well-trodden. And as a result of that path being well-trodden, when a certain thought comes into your mind, it will go down the path of least resistance. What's so fascinating about this idea is this. The Bible talks about the, the heart is desperately wicked. 
Who can perceive it? Let me break this down. This is amazing. All of your negative thoughts today, tomorrow, next week, next month, are creating a pathway. And a thought that comes down into your mind will go down that path of least resistance. Now, what's really scary is this. By definition, how you negatively think is actually constructing how you're going to behave in a future event. You are actually pre-programming yourself today to respond to a challenge of next Sunday. Yeah. That's scary. That's actually very scary. When I saw this, I thought to myself, my goodness, this is a problem. The word actually is involuntary. A thought will come in, and these thoughts produce involuntary decisions and behaviors. That means this, involuntary, the definition, done without all conscious control. Think about that. There will be stimuluses that affect you, things that people say, things that people do, that will come into your mind, and you will have an involuntary response. And the chances are the involuntary response is going to be negative. Let's go a bit more biblical. The involuntary response won't be godly. So now, <laughs> now with this situation, the world's your enemy. Because you have to cover your mind. Because just in case a certain thought comes in, you're going to do something wrong. Now what's so interesting is this. When you decide to take accountability to your thought life, before you do, you will always demand others to change because it's easier that way. If she stops saying that, if he stops doing that, then I don't need to be affected by their negativity. Lord, please change them, is often our prayers. But the reality is this, you cannot change someone, but if you give your hearts consistently to the Lord, you can be changed by him. Someone said to me this, oh, you know, that person, they're getting on my nerves. And I heard the Lord say to me, and I said to them, maybe you need to get new nerves. The reality is this, brothers and sisters. We go through challenges every day. And if we don't take control of our thought life, if we don't take control not just of what we think, but how we think, then we will simply be byproducts to our situations. It's time to take control. James 17.9, Jeremiah 17.9 was the verse I quoted about the heart is deceitful above all things. That means this, guys. You could have a job opportunity. And as a result of this job opportunity, you, you want to get to the job, you want to interview, well, everything is, is there. But you see, the enemy knows what can throw you off. And he can bring something to your day that will throw you off in a way that you don't interview in the way that God wants you to interview, and as a result, you don't get the job. I have so many people say to me, oh man, I want, I'm looking for a relationship. You know, what should I do? How can I do? Da, 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 da. And what's really interesting is this. When we wrongly allow thoughts to affect our thinking, it will often take us away the doors of opportunity that Jesus has opened for us. And then we ask God, God, why? Why hasn't this come yet? And the answer, unfortunately, that people aren't aware of is you haven't renewed your mind. We are missing out on some opportunities God's providing for us because we are being moved by thoughts that are not yours. 
I want to use an illustration, a very interesting illustration. I would like my volunteers to come. They know who they are. Your number fell down. Lovely. Praise the Lord. Okay, so. Now, let's imagine, you're going to have to use your imagination, that number three, number, number two, number four, number three are sitting around this table. This is based on Psalms 23 when it says along the lines of, you have made um, a table in front of my enemies. Now, this is so fun, fantastic. Let's imagine that this table represents your beliefs. Anything that sits on this table is something that you believe. At the moment right now, joy is with you. At the moment right now, faith is with you in operation. At the moment right now, peace is with you and in operation. What we see in the natural is you smiling. You just walk down. Now, what's really interesting is this. This guy, number one, this guy, this is anxiety. You're walking down the road, everything's fine, you get a text message. Peace, faith, joy, they're happy, you're, 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 you're aware of God's presence. You get a text message. I think you're going to lose your house. All of a sudden, anxiety gets closer and closer to your table. Now, what's really interesting is this. Just because you received that text message doesn't mean you need to be overcome by the information that that text message has provided you. Often we don't think that way. Often we are simply led by circumstances and our, and our emotions. And as a result, faith that was in operation is kicked off the table. Come stand here, anxiety. <laughs> now anxiety is here. And these two, peace and joy, they take a step back. Now, the lovely smile that you had is now like this. Oh, what's going to happen? Why? Because you allowed the potential of something to affect what is going to happen in your mind. You think just because this information has come in, it's now affected your sense of reality. In this moment, God doesn't exist. In this moment, the most important thing is, is, is making sure I keep my house. But the worst thing about anxiety, anxiety sits on your table but will offer you nothing. It will just give you worry. Oh, oh it's going to... And all of a sudden, you start to prophesy. You didn't know that you had the gift of prophecy. All of a sudden, you're saying, I'm going to lose my house. You're ringing people, you're texting people. You need to help me, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to do this. My, life, my wife is going to leave me. Oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my job. I don't know what's going to happen. You're prophesying this one lie into existence. But yet, God still stands, in fact, sits in that throne. He hasn't changed. 
Christ still died. Christ still raised from the dead. Uh, the, the spiritual blessings are still yours. But you chose the information from a text message to define who you are, to define what was going to happen. Because you didn't know. You didn't know that just because information comes to you, you weren't aware you don't have to accept it. So let's replay. Some of the renewed minds, renewed minds will do the following. I want faith to come back. I want joy and peace to come and enjoy. You're walking down. They're happy. You're walking down. You see, in the spiritual realm, this is happening. But all we see is this. Yeah, you good? Yeah, lovely. Now, the funny thing is, text message comes. You're going to lose your house. The renewed mind will do this. In Jesus' name, I will not lose my house. Where in Scripture does it say, I'm going to lose my house? It doesn't say it. It doesn't say it. So when that information comes and it tries to sit at your table, you say, no, you, 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 you take captive of the thought and you cast it out. You see, brothers and sisters, a police officer cannot arrest someone they haven't yet caught. You see, the enemy wants you to function with this mentality because this mentality will not lead you into God's blessings. He wants you to be moved by anything but the word and spirit of God. And as a result, the enemy will do anything for you to believe. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. No situation, no person, nothing should affect the reality of God's word being true to you. It's not about what you know. It's about what you believe. The most wonderful thing I've realized about Christianity it's all about your heart. You guys can... Actually, no. No. But anxiety, you can go. And you can take your table as well. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, talks about the spirit, the soul, and the body. We are tri-state in nature. Let's say the spirit here, the soul here, the body here. I want you to all clasp arms. What's really fantastic, let me show you how the renewal of the mind works in another way. Your spirit is always in communication with God. Always. Your issue is that the unrenewed mind will stop you from perceiving at times God's will for your life. Until you renew your mind and remove this, you will always have uncertainty concerning what to do when you should do it. You see someone on the road who needs help. Father in heaven, is it now you want me to help them? I don't know. I don't think so. Amen. And you'll leave. But if your mind was renewed on the truth, you would know it is God's will to help those in need. 
Sometimes we think Christianity, sometimes I wonder, what do we think? I think we think Christianity is a GPS system. Every step, and you take left. No, no, take, take right. Take left now, and take right. And make sure you're wearing those black trousers and those suede shoes, lovely. The reality is this. God doesn't need to tell you every single thing by you perceiving his voice. But if you renewed your mind, you'd be aware you've already been given the mind of Christ. Thank you. God bless you. You've already been given the mind of Christ. Our biggest problem is I'm in my 30s. I've got 30 years worth of renewing to do. Because essentially, I've made the conclusion that I've been homeschooled by the devil. Now, God forbid my mom's watching this, because she would lose her mind. Are you saying... No, 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 mother, please. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to say is this. In all the conclusions in life I've been making, anything that I've believed that wasn't connected in line with God's words was error. So as a result, I've made so many observations, so many conclusions that are affecting how I see God, how I see myself, how I see people, and the desires in my heart. And if my mind isn't renewed, I will not be able to do God's will. You see, prayer doesn't help you in this part. The only thing is effort. You must realize, I've got work to do. Your mind is like tracing paper. And when, imagine this, right? Imagine you have a picture of a cat. Pastor Mark was talking about cats earlier and fleas. Let's imagine you have a picture of a cat. And we can't draw, so we use tracing paper. We put the tracing paper on top of the picture of the cat, and we draw the cat. Now, the funny thing is this. The cat represents the old you. The Bible says that you're a new creation. So you're not a cat, you're now something beautiful. But the problem is, you have been tracing over who you have thought you were for such a long time that even though the picture behind has been removed, you still think you're a cat. Until you realize, you see, even if I put a new picture behind, Now, all you see is a distortion. There is a difference between the picture behind and the picture on the tracing paper. Until the tracing paper, the information is rubbed out and you begin to trace your life according to the word of God, you will not see clearly. Two Corinthians ten verse five: casting down imaginations with and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You will not be able to do that first that verse unless you know what the truth is. There's a beautiful um, example uh, in the bank system many many years ago. They didn't go through um, fake money kind of courses. They would touch real money a lot of times. They would touch it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, until their fingers were sensitive to the feeling of true currency. So if you would then put a fake note, simply by the touch, they would know, this isn't real. Here's my question. How much do we touch the truth of God's word? 
How much do we sensitize ourselves to the truth of God's word so that when a lie comes in, we can say, no, that's a lie. There's so many different ways to read the Bible. You can study it. You can pray scriptures. But one thing that is hardly done that needs to be done is meditate. Meditation is one of the key ways to convert the words externally into the word internally. In John 15 and 14, it constantly talks about, Jesus says, if you keep my words, if you keep my words, if you keep my words, and uh, this will happen. It's always a good thing. So I looked at that word keep, and that word keep is the word um, uh, terio. And what terio means in Greek is this. If you take God's words and keep looking at it, Don't allow, wherever it goes, you keep looking at it. You keep looking at it. And because you are consistent with looking at the words, what will happen is the word that you read will be the word inside of you. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, we will always know what someone believes by what comes out of their mouth. Do you know what's so frustrating? Can I be honest? Can I be honest? Can I be honest? When you're blessed with revelation and you don't do it, it frustrates me that I know this. But I don't apply it to the point that ah, I'm walking on easy street. But now that we know, we can't get away with ignorance. The reality is meditating on the word of God is so key. Keeping that word in your heart will allow you to get through any, any form of temptation. Check this out. It's very interesting. Everyone knows um, Genesis 4-7. If you do well, will you be accepted? This is Cain and Abel, right? He's, um, he's talking to the, to, the, to the brother who's still going to kill the, his, his brother, his other brother. And if you do not do well, listen to this. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Listen to this. This is amazing. He's on the verge of doing wrong. But if he does what is right, which is live, believe the truth, then the truth will be the thing that stops sin from coming in. James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James 4.7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I looked at these verses all, and I thought to myself, I realize it. The most important line of defense is the word of truth that you've believed. The word of truth being believed in your heart is what will allow you to get through any temptation. When Jesus was being being, um, tempted by the devil, he always quoted the word that he believed. His mind was renewed. He understood the temptation of the enemy and he spoke out the truth that was real for that moment. If you don't have the word of truth that you truly believe at a time of temptation, at that time of temptation, you will fail. The renewing of the mind is so important. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says this, this book of the law must, must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. 
for then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. The word meditate is the word hagar. Hagar. And what hagar means is to chew, really to chew on the cud. What does that mean? I'm going to give you details. A cow eats grass and chews. Is staring at absolutely nothing. He's just chewing. He digests that grass and then brings it back up and chews again. He does it a few times. Now, you may think to yourself, that's horrible. But the reason why he does it is that the cow takes every possible nutrient from that grass by the chewing and digesting and the chewing and digesting. And that's why the Lord said, connect meditation to that. Chew, digest, chew again my word until it's a reality in you. It has to be true. You have to fight for this. Sometimes we have to catch, you have to catch yourself in what you say. Here's something worth writing down. Start to think about what you think about. Start to think about what you think about. What are some of the thoughts that come into your mind? What are some of the concerns that come into your mind? What are your insecurities? What are the expectations that are put on this world that you're currently believing? What are these things that that, um, produce a fear or anxiety or a desire to do things that God doesn't want want you to do? If you don't know that, I encourage you to make a list and find out. Why? You should make a list to find out so that you can find, so you can make a contrary list according to God's words. So just when that thought comes in, oh, I am weak. No, the Bible says I am strong. I'm scared of this situation. No, the Bible says I have not been given a spirit of fear. If you don't speak out, you will not be able to capture a thought. There was a horrible story I heard. A young boy, six years old, is walking down a, um, a shopping center. Now, he's walking down a shopping center. No one's next to him except for his parents. And all of a sudden, the boy says, I don't want to, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. The parents said, oh, what's the problem? They didn't understand why he said that. But this boy was perceiving things in the spirit. He was actually getting thoughts that was trying to give him information. And guess what he'd done? He'd done the perfect thing. He spoke the truth. And by speaking out the truth, it defeated the thought which was a lie. You have to understand, brothers and sisters, that a thought is a powerful thing. Powerful. A thought has the capacity to affect your emotions and your decisions. A thought at the same... If you accept a thought, it could affect what you do, it could affect what you say, it it could affect what you feel. A thought, in in, in a way, is like a a living thing. What's really interesting is realising that there is two kingdoms behind this world that we see and feel and touch. There is a kingdom of darkness, there's a kingdom of light. And there is thoughts from the kingdom of darkness that is not in line with God's will for your life. The idea 
that the enemy wants for your life is for you to accept his thoughts so you can walk in his mentality and his ways, which will take you to a destination that you don't know will take you there, but he knows it won't end well. You have to master your thought life. You must be aware. Let's no longer be so happy to say, well, you know what? I've been upset, and because I'm upset, this is now what I'm going to do. Test yourself before you actually do what you think you want to do. Will this give glory to God? Does this require me to humble myself and accept the wrong that has been done to me? Often, 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 the answer is yes. Sometimes you do, unfortunately, have to receive a slap on your cheek and give them the other one. Pride won't allow you to do that. Only humility will. I came to the reality, guys, that every thought that comes into my life has to reveal who God is. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to accept it. If a thought encourages me to be selfish, it's not God's will for my life. If a thought encourages me to be selfless and humble myself, it is God's will for my life. I want to encourage you guys. If we truly give ourselves to the renewing of the mind, if we're consistent with this, I'm telling you, you are going to get to places in your life that you wouldn't have been able to get to before. Why? Because you're revealing God's will. I came to an understanding of this. We've been given the spirit of God. We have eternal life. The spirit of God is with us. But what good is the spirit of God being in us if our mind isn't renewed? The purpose of renewing your mind is to reveal what is already inside you outside. Romans 12.2 talks about, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That word transformed really is like a, it's the best way to describe it, it's like a butterfly. It's take what is real in you until it metamorphoses to the outside. In your spirit, you've been made perfect, you're wonderful, you're excellent, you're full of love, you're full of kindness, you're full of peace. All of these things are true, but until your mind agrees, it won't be seen. So, let's end it with some tips and some wisdom. How do I do it? How can I keep God's word in my heart? How can I transform my mind? How do I do it? You sold it to me, Andrew. I'm liking it. I want my mind to be renewed. One, be disciplined with the word of God. You have to be disciplined. Just read it. Two, study it. You see, there's an error that I want you to avoid. Some people will just say, there's certain Bible verses I want you to to declare, and declarations are powerful. I want you to declare these declarations. But here's the problem. The declarations are very random. I'm a child of God, yes. I'm loved, yes. I'm forgiven. But you need to understand topics in the Bible. What does God's word say about finance? Pastor Mark was teaching. 
You need to take teachings like Pastor Mark's teaching this morning, and you need to look through the Bible verses, and you need to meditate on those verses. Because what will happen is your mind will begin to renew on the topic of kingdom finances. And then when your mind starts to renew on that, then all of a sudden, the gates that God's always had for you, open for you, will start to flood in concerning finances. So choose a topic. Hone in on it. Get some Bible verses. Declare it. Meditate. Here's a great way to meditate. There's so many ways. Here's one way. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to go, um, don't worry, I'm not going to do that. To meditate, here's a simple one. Get a Bible verse. Rewrite it in your own words. Personalize it from the I perspective. So I have or I am. Don't put I will. I will is more about hope, future. Declare what you are or what you have now. You get those Bible verses, you've personalized it, you speak it out. Get a Bible verse, spend some time with the Lord and draw what you see. Get a Bible verse and pray it for yourself. These are all forms of meditation. God wants you to engage. He wants you to personally interact with his words. And as you're interacting, you're like the cow. And now, finally, the truth of God's word begins to enter your heart and wisdom is seen in your actions and in your words.